You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, good morning to all of you. It's great to see you. I know some of you are our guests. My name is Jay. I'm the lead pastor here. We're really glad that you were here with us and really glad for those who will be listening in the future with our online community here. But that being said, um, there's just a couple things I wanna touch bases about and then we're gonna be right into God's word and in this new series together. The first is, for those of you who have been here the last several weeks, you know that we have been in a series on sexuality and we have finished that now. We begin a brand new series today and there actually is a discussion forum going on right now upstairs that's the final of our two discussion forums that we've done throughout that series. So. That's in part why you look around and there may be some seats open here and there. It's a full room up there right now. Um, But we do wanna let you know that um, we are going to be uploading the audio recording recording of that discussion forum um, later this week. And it'll be found on brashears.net, which is where we put the previous one as well. So um, we wanna give you access to that. As well as, throughout the course of the series, a number of you sent in mess- uh, questions for us regarding the various topics that we were working through in that series. And the elders and I are working on a written up response to all of those questions, but it was a lot of questions. So it's gonna be a little bit. But we're hoping in the next couple of weeks we'll be able to make available in the back there at our resource table a written response to literally every question you've asked coming out of our, our sexuality series. So um, stay tuned for that and we'll let you know when that's gonna be available. But today, we began a brand new series, and we've never done this series before, on Advent Conspiracy. And there are a number of you who know exactly what I'm talking about when I say Advent Conspiracy, but there are others of you who, mm, you're not quite so sure. So I'd like to get an idea of where you're at with Advent Conspiracy. So if you could take your phone out for me and open your browser and type in this address, this will take you to a place where we're gonna just have a real quick poll here, and it's a yes or no question, but have you been involved with admin conspiracy here at Grace or at a previous church? I'd like to know where you're at with that. And as you're answering that and thinking about that, there probably are a number of you who aren't quite sure what Advent Conspiracy is. So we'd like to show you this brief video clip now that's gonna explain some of what's behind where we're going here in the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months in particular. So let's watch this video together. So there you have it. There's a little context for those of you who may not be familiar with Advent Conspiracy, but let's go to our poll results and see what your responses are so far to that question. How many of you have been a part of Advent Conspiracy here or at another church? And then how many of you, this is, this is new, and there are a proportion of you who are new every year. Wow, that is, that's outstanding. So just a little over half of you have participated in Advent Conspiracy, but 46% of you haven't, which that's an even higher disparity than in our previous service. About a third of the service had never participated in Advent Conspiracy. I think that's great. So let's talk a little bit about that. So Advent Conspiracy has been in existence now for 10 years. And we were referenced in that video. We were one of those small handful of churches when this movement really was birthed 10 years ago that said, yep, we're in. And it's hard to believe for those of us who have been here for that long, have been participating in Advent Conspiracy for 10 years. I think that's pretty cool. 
But the reason we are devoting this month, November, to Advent Conspiracy is two reasons. Number one, we wanna get a running start this year into our Advent Conspiracy movement. But number two, and I think even more significantly, what we're looking at really are the values behind why we do outreach on the scale that we do here at Grace. Why do we do Vacation Bible School? Why do we do Backpack Blessings? Why, why do we do Foster Parent Night Out? Why do we do a community garden and the many other ways that we try to reach out to this community? Well, this really is a reset of the values behind all those things that we do. Outreach is a big part of our ethos here at Grace. If you're newer to our church family, you're gonna discover real quickly that we are very serious about going out to this community and serving them and loving them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we do that in a lot of different ways. But these really, what we're looking at this month are the values behind what drives that. And so each of the weeks of November here, we're gonna be looking at one of these values behind Advent Conspiracy. And this first value that we're gonna look at is this reality of worshiping fully. What does it really mean to worship God fully with your life? Well, we're gonna go to a passage here in Romans that will help answer some of that. But before we do, we really need to give an overview very briefly of the book of Romans because it's an amazing book. And what we're looking at in Romans 12 really is the application of everything that Apostle Paul talks about that he wrote to this church in the earlier parts of the letter. So for starters, Romans is really about righteousness. And right out of the gate, we're told in the book of Romans that righteousness is something that is given to us by God. You don't earn it. You don't get it because of your resume or trying to be a good person. We all start out in the same place. We're, we're all broken. We're all sinful. And so righteousness doesn't come from anyone or anything but God himself. It is a gift of God through us, uh, excuse me, to us through Jesus Christ. And he begins to talk about this idea that this righteousness of of Jesus Christ is imputed to us, which just means it's credited to us. But it's also tangibly given to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. We are freed from sinfulness and brokenness and selfishness by having right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But we're also freed from the law. The law was always intended to point to Jesus, to point to right relationship with God. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have his Holy Spirit, you have the empowerment to live the very life that he calls us to. But then he will go on in the letter and explain, so what does this mean for the, Israel, for the Jewish nation? Because Israel, by and large, rejected the righteousness of God. So what does that mean for them? And as he works through all these realities, now he comes to chapter 12. And chapter 12, through the rest of the letter, is basically the practical application of all those things he's talked about. And that's so important for us to understand because living out a relationship with God always comes back to a response to what God has first done for you. Or to put it another way, and you've heard us say this before, living out the gospel is always a response to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. By way of example, why are we called to love other people? because God has first loved us. Why are we called to forgive those who wrong us? Because God has forgiven us when we have wronged him. So living out this relationship with God, always a response to what God's already done for us. 
So now we come to Romans chapter 12 and we begin to get our hands around what does it mean to really worship fully. So if your phone's already out, go ahead and go there to Romans chapter 12, verses one through six. We're gonna do this first section here. I'll read it to you and then we'll work our way back through it and we'll wrestle together with what it means to worship God fully. So therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And that can also be translated, this is your reasonable act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So let's begin to work our way through that passage and what does it begin to tell us about what it means to worship God fully? Well, there is this therefore that it starts with. And we've already looked at the reality of this, but that therefore reaches back into the previous 11 chapters and says this is what it means to live this out now. And in your own Bible reading, whenever you come across the therefore, you should always ask yourself, what is the therefore? Therefore. Therefore. And that's what that one's there for, the previous 11 chapters. This is what it means to live them out. And so he urges them, in view of God's mercy, to do a number of things. What's mercy? Well, at its essence, it's not getting what you deserve. And how has God shown every single one of us mercy? He hasn't given us what we deserve because we all, again, start out in the same place. That's how the book of Romans starts out. We're all broken, we're all sinful, we're all living in rebellion against God, telling God to take a hike, we'll live life on our own, thank you very much, we don't need you, and on it goes. And God, instead of letting us stay in that place, sacrifices himself on the cross through Jesus Christ, rises to new life once again, and now offers us freedom and forgiveness and the empowerment to live out the very life that we're actually looking for. And so in his mercy, he does not leave us in our brokenness. In fact, we all start out as God's enemy. Romans chapter five, verse eight says that real clearly. God's not your enemy, but you're his with where you start and where I start apart from him. And he doesn't leave things there. He loves us. He ultimately sacrifices himself on our behalf. And Paul's saying, remember that. And remember what we said? Living out the gospel, always a response to the gospel. So what has God done for me? He has shown me mercy. Okay, so what does it mean then to worship fully with that? Well, for starters, it means to be a living sacrifice. That makes sense to you? Because I'm not sure it would have made a lot of sense in the first century when they were reading this letter. Because that's an oxymoron. I mean, think about that with me for a minute. Is a sacrifice alive? Uh, No, it's dead. That's why it's a sacrifice, right? Okay, that's interesting. 
Um, so what's the living part? Because you put these two together and it says something needs to die so that something can live. Okay, now let's, let's take this for a test drive for a minute. So Romans has been really clear and God's word is very, very clear that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, that he sacrificed himself on our behalf to rescue us from brokenness and to bring us into right relationship with God through relationship with him. He is our sacrifice. And all the Old Testament sacrifices, that whole sacrificial system was always looking towards when God would do just that, when Jesus would come and offer himself as the ultimate sacrifice. Okay, so if Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice, if he is the sacrifice on our behalf, why in the world are we being told to be a sacrifice? Well, it's really clear that it's not to earn God's love because none of us can earn God's love. But if you have God's love, then you trust and obey God, you live loyally for him, you love him, you live for him. And to do that takes, at times, Sacrifice. What did Jesus say? You want to follow me? You need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Which means that the part of us where we all started out in our brokenness, the part that we gravitate back to, the part that wants to pull us back, that promises us life, but that really offers us death because it's brokenness and selfishness and yuck, that is going to pull at us even when we're in right relationship with God, even when we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And so we will need to deny that. We will need to make sacrifices so that we don't buy into that, go back and do that, go back and live that way so that we can live the life of blessing that we're actually really looking for in those places. But instead we're trusting God for that. That's an ongoing process. That's a lifestyle. And that's what it means to fully worship in part is that you are living each day for God. Not to earn his love, but because you have it. So, he will then go on to explain this more and say, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, most of us don't wrestle with this, but in the first century, there was a prevailing worldview that what really mattered was the immaterial, or to put that another way, what really mattered was your spirit. But the physical, your body, yeah, not, not so important. This is what really matters. And this is really Paul's comprehensive way of saying everybody matters, and everybody matters. It all matters. How you live your life matters. He's basically comprehensively saying, it's all worship. How you live your life, what you say, what you do, it all matters, it's all important because life isn't all about you anymore. You see, one of the realities of worshiping God fully is doing business with and making friends with the reality that you don't own you anymore. God does. And he's paid a really high price to rescue you and me from brokenness and sinfulness and selfishness. Why in the world would we go back there? Will we buy into the lie that that's somehow gonna satisfy us and give us what we're looking for? But he reminds us here, you don't belong to just you. You belong to me. 
And, and we'll come back and do business with this in just a minute, we belong to each other. Because now you're part of a community and a family if you know Jesus. And so therefore it matters how we live. But unfortunately, as we looked at in our last series that we just finished, this sexuality series, one of the first places that our brokenness will begin to manifest itself in our lives, apart from Christ, is in our sexuality. We all start out with a broken sexuality. And we looked at that at length through that series. Which begs the question then, if you know Jesus, if he is your Lord and Savior, if he is your God, then how are you and I living out our sexuality? Or let's go a different direction. Most of you have these out. Take out your phone if you don't already. And for those who are gonna be listening in our online community, I'm gonna make you do this too. You take out your phone. And I want you to think critically about this for a minute. What you text, what you message, the apps you open up, the sites you go to, what you endorse, what you read about, does this reflect a heart that is worshiping a God in a holy way? That's challenging, isn't it? How often do I go to Google for answers when I should be going to the Word of God? Isn't that interesting? Or what I look at here, what I, what I download, what I go to, again, what I endorse, does that reflect a heart that's fully worshiping God? Because as Paul says here, it all matters. Worship is a, is a lifestyle. It's, it's what you give your loyalty to, your love to, what you give yourself to. I don't know who said this originally, but Someone wise once said, the problem with living sacrifices is they tend to crawl off the altar. (laughs) Now I can get that. That makes sense to me. Because even when I know better, I will still gravitate back to or choose brokenness over what God wants for me. And sometimes you do that too. And so that's why this is an ongoing process of constantly reorienting reorienting our hearts to what God says and what God wants for us because really, once again, this is all about identity. I mean, look what he says here. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is that so fundamentally important? Because from right thinking comes right living. Or, as the proverb famously says, and we'll go King James on this because it makes it even more fun, as a man thinketh, so he is. The bottom line is the bottom line. Who does God say you are? What is your true identity? And some of you don't know the answer to that because you don't know the word of God. And you are allowing this world around you to shape your identity. And it will try to. This is just my opinion, but I think it's always been difficult and a challenge to follow God in a broken world, but I think we as the current generations 
have an even bigger battleground because we live in the information age. We are bombarded by information. You are constantly being given messages, most which are broken, most which are selfish and self-focused because we are broken people living in a broken world and that's what's coming at us all the time. Most of that stuff is not spirit-led and spirit-directed. And so it's so fundamentally, fundamentally important that we know what God's word says and have a way to filter what's coming at us. By way of example, my dad had uh, surgery this last week and as is often the case, um, for his type of surgery, he kept getting bumped by emergencies that were happening, so they needed the operating rooms ahead of him, so he kept getting bumped for his, his surgical procedure, his operation. And so we ended up passing the time, for part of that time, watching the news. We turned on the news and watched it. My folks do that every evening. I never do that. Like many of you, I get my news off the internet. I go to sites. I don't have time in the evenings to sit down and watch the news, and quite frankly, I don't really want to, so I don't. But for two hours, I got the same news cycle over and over and over again. And it was so interesting to me because I'm probably, um, if not blinded, uh, desensitized to the other entities I get my news from, but because I never watched the evening news, I was really able to think critically about what was coming at me with all the commercials and everything, and do you know I am such a loser because I don't drive the right car? <laughs> I gotta do something about that. I need this car to have meaning and fulfillment and happiness in my life. So I gotta do something about that. And am I in really good hands with my insurance? Haven't thought critically about that recently. And through all the news cycle that was going on, you know, there's just so much crime and brokenness. But I better get a camera system, you know, for my home. And, and how much of that news cycle was dominated by fear? But even if not that, all these false identities that were coming at me, not just from the commercials, but even from what was being profiled on the news. And that matters because from right thinking comes right living. And so therefore, it's absolutely fundamental that somehow you are in the word of God. You know, for those of you who are listening to this, I mean, this is great. This is so important that you're here. But if this is the only input you get from the word of God in your weekly life, you need a whole lot more. You really do. Because you and I are gonna be bombarded by so many things that are not the word of God, that are broken, that will lead us into brokenness, drag us back into sinfulness and selfishness, teach us to crawl off the altar when we really isn't what we wanna be about and be doing. So you gotta be in the word of God, you just have to. Because we live in a very me-centric world. I mean, look what he goes on to say. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Why would he say that? Why would he say don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to? Because I tend to think of myself more highly than I ought to. And let's take that for a test drive as well. What is he really saying there? Who wants to think of themselves with somber judgment? Really? But we need to understand what he's really saying here is thinking, ourse thinking of ourselves accurately through the lens 
of faith. Now let's talk about the extremes we can go to with that. So there's one extreme that says, and few of us would say this, okay, but by how we live, by what we say, by what we think about, by what our motives are, we do say this. God, you're lucky to have me on the team. Man, you made the right call to add me to the team. Again, few of us talk like that, but we sure act like that at times. Or we go to the other extreme, and I hear this often too, especially as believers, as a church family. Well, you know, there's nothing good in me, it's all God. Or God did that, I, you know, I had nothing to do with that. Really? Is that really an accurate assessment of who you are in Jesus Christ? Did you read verse six in this passage we're looking at? You all have gifts? Isn't living out the Christian life, in a sense, a partnership with the Holy Spirit? We, we use what God has given us for his glory, but it doesn't mean we don't have anything to offer. Both these extremes are to be avoided. And that, in part, is what he's talking about here. Is, think of yourself accurately in proportion to your faith because we tend to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And that's, think about this just in the context of worshiping fully and just in the context of Advent conspiracy. What is your most valuable commodity in your life? How would you answer that? And it's rhetorical. You don't have to shout it out. Just think about it. But what is your most valuable commodity in your life? For me, I would say it's my time. Because you know what? I'm busy. And I bet you are too. In fact, I am greatly confident that the vast majority of you and the vast majority of those folks who will be listening in our online community would say, I'm really busy. Yeah, probably time is my greatest commodity because I just don't have a lot of it. Okay. But with that comes this thinking that we're the exception. Well, yeah, you're busy, not as busy as me. I'm busier than you are. I've got more going on. And when something like Advent Conspiracy presents itself, it's tempting to check out with that and to say, well, I'm too busy to be a part of that. Which, interestingly, one of Paul's points here about worshiping fully is that we don't belong just to ourselves. We belong to each other. Remember we said we'd come back to that? Well, well here it is. We're called to serve others with what he has given us. And yes, there are seasons where you can't. You, just, you really are too busy or just the other things going on in your life. Maybe you can't. But it's not okay to stay in that place. And my encouragement to you would be for all of you, whether you are an Advent conspiracy veteran or whether this will be your first one that you get to be a part of here as part of our church family, I encourage you before you leave this afternoon to take one of these brochures off of the back resource table because Advent conspiracy changes every year. We change our focus in terms of the entities we're blessing and how you can be involved 
every year. So even if you're a veteran, you need to look at this. In fact, this is your hall pass to get out of church. No one gets out those doors without having one of these in their hands. Now, you can be passive aggressive and not read it and throw it out, but you really do need to look at this because listen, listen to this. We have designed Advent Conspiracy to provide multiple opportunities for you to serve, no matter how busy you are. Do you have clothes hanging in your closet that are in your, or living in your dresser that you don't use much anymore that are in pretty good shape? You can serve by bringing those. Or maybe God has blessed you financially. You can help buy a food box for one of the families we'll be helping in our community in December for our party. You can do that. And yes, you can serve the night of the Advent conspiracy Christmas party for those of you who were here when Pastor Jerry was mentioning that to us yeah it takes about 200 to 250 of us to pull that off and we definitely have a place for you or maybe you could serve that Saturday or maybe you just truly don't have the time okay but there's so many ways that you can serve and be involved and part of not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought is constantly finding excuses to not give to others. And now I'm not just talking about Advent conspiracy, I'm just talking about our lives because the antidote to selfishness is service. And too many of us default to selfishness and making excuses, whether it's busy or whatever else, as our way out to not serve others. And I would submit to you that if you are living a life that in somehow, some way, some shape or form is not about serving someone else in your life, you are not worshiping God fully. And again, the intent here, the heart here is not to make you more busy. You are busy enough. Probably all of you. I am. I'm not looking for something else to make me busy, but I am looking for ways to serve, and that's what Advent Conspiracy is, my friends. It's, it's another way for you to serve this community, but not just Advent Conspiracy. Backpack Blessings, Foster Parent Night Out, Vacation Bible School this next summer, the Community Garden, I could go on and on and on. We serve this community in all these ways and others because he first served us. That's why we do it. It's part of worshiping fully. And again, the bottom line is from right thinking comes right living. That's what worshiping fully really is all about. And we desperately need God's perspective from his word and it's a perspective that helps us worship fully by trusting him even when it feels like we can't. I mentioned to you that my dad was having a surgery this last week. He has an aneurysm behind his left knee. The doctors have been watching it for some time but it has gotten to the point where his surgeon in particular is, has been pretty concerned and worked him into the surgical schedule this week because he was concerned about getting this taken care of. So that's why my dad's surgery was late in the day. But it kept getting bumped and kept getting bumped until it was the last surgery of the day. And so his surgery started at six o'clock last Tuesday night. And the waiting room was, I'd say about a quarter full. And it was me and my mom who were waiting there for him. And then the waiting room began to clear out and we had been told it'd be about three hours for the surgery, for this bypass. And the room began to empty until finally, at around nine o'clock, the lady who ran the room came up to us and took our pager and 
Um, you know, we didn't need it because we weren't going anywhere. We were just going to wait. But shut down the whole waiting area. And now it was so late in the day, it was just my mom and me. And there was these huge monitors listing these patient ID numbers, so no one's name was up there, but we knew my dad's ID number. And they're all color-coded. And everybody else on the monitor was either in recovery and out of surgery or even in their room. My dad's was the only one that was still green. And it was real quiet in that big waiting room at Providence St. Vincent's on the other side of town. And the three hours went by and we had been told that when the surgery was over, the surgeon himself would come out and talk with us. Three hours went by, nothing. Three hours and 15 minutes went by, nothing. Three and a half hours went by, nothing. Now, this is a fairly, in surgery world, as I understand it, a fairly common surgery, routine practice. But when it's your loved one or when it's you, it's not so routine, no matter how routine the procedure is. So three hours and 45 minutes go by and still no word. And at this point, your mind begins to go a lot of different places. And I begin to think through scenarios like, okay, what if we lose my dad tonight? How am I gonna take care of my mom? What's this gonna mean for our family? You know, how am I gonna lock arms and walk with my sister through this who has her own stuff going on? You know, you just, your mind starts going to this place. And very clearly, the Spirit of God seemed to tell me, you need to hear from me. You need to go to my word. Okay, where do you want me to go? Well, you're gonna be preaching on Romans this Sunday. How about you read the whole book again? Okay. So I got my Bible out and began to read, and the time continued to go by. And there was this peace that began to settle over me, this peace that the Bible talks about is passing all understanding. Because you see, it wasn't this assurance necessarily that everything was gonna be okay with my dad, I didn't know that. It wasn't this assurance necessarily that everything's gonna be just fine, I didn't know that. But what I did know was that I wasn't alone and that God was asking me to trust him with whatever the outcome was gonna be, to take my fears, my concerns, everything, and to offer that as an act of worshiping him fully and to say, you know what, despite all this, I'm gonna choose to trust you regardless of what happens. Four hours after my dad had been in surgery, the phone rings. Now, understand, this is an empty waiting area. There's no one, literally no one there but my mom and me. And this phone rings over on one of the desks. And my mom and I looked at each other, and we didn't need to say any words. It was like, you can answer that or am I, or do we at all? And so I got up and went over and answered it, and it's our surgeon. And he says, I'm sorry I didn't come out, but I wanted you to know just as soon as possible that everything's okay. I know we told you it was gonna be three hours. It's taken over four. It took longer than we thought, but your dad's gonna be okay. He's now in recovery. Yeah, I'm thankful for that. The part I left out is my dad is 88 years old. 
So there was quite a bit of risk with this, even though it was a routine procedure. But all that being said, worshiping this God fully means trusting him. And as our worship team comes, it means giving ourselves to him completely. Allowing his word to transform us, to remind us of what our true identity is, helping us think accurately about who we are in Christ and owning that identity and not what the rest of this world tells us and then choosing to serve other people the way he has served and loved us. And I'm also gonna invite our leaders and our communion servers to come and they're gonna come up here and this is a Sunday when we celebrate communion together as a church family. So this is what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to come up and to get these elements and the bread is all gluten-free so you don't need to worry about that. But get these elements and then take them back to your chairs. But my friends, this is more than just waiting in line to get your elements. This, this needs to mean something. And we always intend for it to mean something. So by you coming forward here, you are saying by your actions, you mentally decide this as you're coming forward. By my coming forward to receive these elements, I'm choosing to worship God fully. I'm all in. I am recommitting myself to follow and trust this God regardless of what's happening in my life. And if you're not sure if you've entered into that relationship with God before that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you choose to do that as you're coming forward here. Just tell him, I love you. I'm gonna choose to follow you with my life. And then once you receive these elements, take them back to your chairs and then we're gonna celebrate communion together. But let me pray his blessing over our time as we prepare to do so. God, thank you that these elements, this bread and this juice points to the reality that you gave your body your blood, your very life to rescue us from a life of brokenness and to love us and to bring us into your kingdom. And so God, as we remember these realities, would we worship you fully? Would we hold nothing back from you? And would we choose to receive from you the blessing that you so badly want to give us? And we ask this in your name, amen. So come, worship him fully and receive these elements. No, this is not a, a usual communion passage, but in light of what we've been talking about this morning, this afternoon, about worshiping fully, I'm gonna ask you to give a whole person response as we prepare to remember what he's done for us. I'm gonna ask you if you would stand with me as an act of saying, I am all in. I'm gonna fully worship you and follow you, Lord. And in Romans chapter six, verse 11, it says this as we offer ourselves to him now. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so you obey its evil desires. And don't offer yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law. You are under God's grace. So let's remember what he's done for each one of us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's remember him together.
Lord, thank you for what you've done for each one of us. Thank you that you have rescued us from brokenness. Thank you that you love us. And now you call us to be living sacrifices, to be loyal to you, to follow you, to love you, and to surrender fully to you as we trust you. That is worshiping fully. And God, thank you that that is the path to true life and blessing. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. A second offering that we take when we do celebrate communion is called our fellowship offering. And these resources go to help people who um, have lost a job, have medical bills they can't pay, are struggling to keep utilities on, or even to put food on the table. These resources go to help with that. So we're gonna have our ushers come forward. They're gonna receive that as we end our time in music worship. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What do you do with a God who will do that for you? You worship him fully with all of who you are. So that's my prayer for us as we go from here, that we would live for him. God, thank you that true life is only found through knowing you in a right relationship through your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for what you have done on all of our behalf. And as we go from here, would we worship you fully and wholly? God, would we follow you with every area of our lives? Would you renew our minds? Lord, would you give us a heart to serve other people? Would you help us to remember who we really are and what our true identity is as your children? God, thank you that you're here with us, but thank you that you also go with us. And we celebrate you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. So go and live for him. And we hope to see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.